Welcome to Any Other Business. Today, we're talking about the journey of scaling up your business. You're going to learn about the stages a business goes through. You're going to learn about the processes and the systems you need to have in place and about why you are going to have the biggest evolution of all. So Rob, the whole purpose of this podcast, or at least the main purpose, is to give people behind the scenes of what it's like to scale a business. So we've talked about our existing businesses, and of course, we've got our big, exciting project that we will eventually reveal that people can follow along with as well. But we've not actually covered how to scale. There are certain things you need to do. And there's going to be lots of people who are just generally interested in business who would like to know, but others who are starting to scale, about to scale, or even if they haven't started the business, will hope that they get to that stage. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about scaling and how to scale a business. But should we start with what is scaling? Let's let's define it. Yeah, it's a good question. And we haven't talked about a definition. So let's try and come up with one now. I sort of see businesses as coming in a few different stages. So we've talked before about when you're starting your business and you're doing things at that point that maybe are a bit chaotic and it may be just you, it might be you and one or two other people, and you're just trying to make it work. Then you get to a point where you go, Oh, okay, we've got something now that people want. Then if there's more demand than you can satisfy, then I think you're into the the scaling journey. So you're taking something, for me, scaling means you're taking something that basically works at a small level and going through the process of making that work at a bigger level, whether that's delivering a service or a product. Yeah. So startup is beginning, proving the concept, and then scale-up is taking that concept and building it into a bigger business. And it's going from that startup phase to established, and it's that messy middle. And and the middle is actually probably the biggest part because the middle takes a lot longer than the startup. If the startup takes too long, you, you fail because you haven't proved the concept. So you only start up for so long, and then you have to go on a scaling journey. So let's talk through how to scale. One of the first things you have to do is realize that you can't do it alone. You need a team. Yeah, hiring is essential, uh, almost by definition. You you can't scale, even if you're doing something like you're doing some kind of online business, like e-commerce or something, where all the distribution and logistics are taken care of by other people. And so it's just you and you think you could do it all yourself. But it's, even then, it gets to a point where whether it's customer service, whether it's sort of going more serious with the marketing, whatever it is, there'll be things that you can't do. So building a team comes along with it. And building a team, when you're established, when you get through the scale-up stage and you're at that sort of steady state, that's a completely different game because at that point, you've got a structure, a hierarchy, you've got maybe you have three people do, already doing that job and then you just kind of slot in a fourth person to do that job as you grow. When you're doing the scale-up bit, you don't have any of that. You're still trying to find out what it is that you need, um, getting it defined, getting someone in, getting everyone working together. Something you spend a lot of your time doing, possibly even the majority of your time, is hiring and then getting those people you've hired integrated into the business. Yeah, hiring is key. You cannot scale without hiring. And, and we've covered hiring in its own episode, which we'll link to. But that episode is really important because you've got to hire right. The interesting thing is, though, when you're scaling, if you've got a good startup and a proven concept, you can actually get away with not so great hires because that was the reality for me in the beginning. And I've said before, it's not necessarily the people's fault because I, I hired them, but it was a bit of a mis mismatch. However, the impact of bringing people in who weren't a perfect fit still was transformational because 
I remember having something that had been created, something that was working. And the difference by putting more people into that was huge. And I still, even though that's so long ago now, I still remember going, wow, this feels so different. And it didn't take months or weeks for it to feel different. It was like the first few days. It was like, wow, we're getting so much more done. Like you're leveraging, leveraging yourself out so, so much more quickly. But that happened because I do remember that I actually had some structure for them to follow rather than just going, go on, be free <laughs> and, and, and see how they got on. Mm. I remember having, because these were people on the phone, I remember having scripts for them. I remember giving them the process of how it would work. I would often be in the room as well so I could coach and train as they went along. So that is really important. Hiring is not going to work unless you have something for them to do, clearly defined, and you then give them a process to follow so they can have success. They can do what you've done already and you've proven that can be successful with one, but then if you can multiply out with others, it's great, but you need that structure or processes as it's often called. Yeah, and we've been too slow with processes in the business in general. And clearly you you started off with processes when the business was smaller, but there were fewer things that needed to be done and it probably didn't matter so much if they weren't perfectly defined because there might have only been four of you so you could just talk to each other and it all get sorted. When you get up to about 50 where we are now, and especially when you've got people remote, which they are at the moment, and even when they're not, you've got people split across a couple of different offices, having solid processes is so much more important. Um, we've we left it too long to do this by hiring really great people, which is great. Those people are talented and they're hardworking, so they will find a way of making it work. They'll find their own way of doing things. But then if you've got everyone who's doing things, they might all be doing it well, but if they're all doing it differently, that can be a problem. And if everyone's got a different idea of where their job ends and the next person's job starts, because you haven't defined it properly, you end up with getting with chaos. And it's only embarrassingly recently that we started making a real effort to proceduralize everything in the business. And already the difference it's made has been huge because you've gone from oh hang on i thought you did that oh and you thought i did that to we've got a flow chart we can look at it together and we can really agree what it is and then at this step here then you do these three things in this way and if you do these three things that is we've all agreed the best way of doing it there are other ways of doing it but we think this is the best way and doing that it doesn't sound exciting but it is quite exciting when you see the result of it because it takes a business from a collection of people, hopefully talented people doing their best, to something more like a machine, something that there is a way that things work. You put the pieces together in this way, and then the right result comes out at the end. Yeah, we've been on a real process journey. We've talked about in the past how you tend to do as as founders the things you enjoy the most, and you give that more attention. So in the beginning, the processes were around things I was best at, and there were no processes on the parts that I was no good at. It absolutely relied on the talent. And then some processes have carried on, but lots weren't delivered or put together at all. And you're right, we've had to go on a, go on a bit of a recovery journey recently to, to put all that back in place. And thankfully we have, but hopefully people listening to this and watching this will not make that mistake if they go on this journey. What you will need though, beyond the processes, is make sure people are doing it right. And 
that's not standing on over their shoulders watching them follow the process because all right if you really want to it might be a bit creepy but you could do that with one or two people but as you scale you can't and you have multiple offices so what you'll need are kpis or reports to see how the business is doing and then you can see how individuals within that business section are doing again this is not something we've been stronger i think we've known for a while we need to get better at it we're now addressing it but numbers kpis we've always had some but it's never been strong enough and it's something that we've given massive focus recently yeah the mistake we made i think was because we weren't on it from the very beginning we left it until it got to a point where it was actually really hard to start so we knew it was important but we we're sort of sitting there for well over a year going yeah this is really important but where do we even start with this yeah it was intimidating it's really intimidating and it's more difficult than you think even if you just take something really simple like how many have we sold this month well, are you talking about a calendar month or the last 30 days? The salesperson will think they've made a call when they put the phone down and the person said yes. The finance team will think the sales been made when the money's in the bank. Yeah. Everyone's got different, different definitions. And so good processes lead to consistent KPIs. So the two of these really go together. But it does take a lot of effort to really agree on what it is that you're talking about and what really matters. You do have to be careful with KPIs because there's the old saying that what gets measured gets managed. So you need to make sure that you're measuring the right thing. Because if, for example, you gave a team a KPI of responding to customers as quickly as possible, that's the only thing you gave them, they could end up giving really rubbish but fast replies because that's what drives their number. So having the right combination of numbers are often a, a financial number and a service number together to make sure that both sides are holding up is the way to do it. So it does need a lot of thought, but it's very powerful when you get it right. Ah. Oh. I'm excited about what we've already started to do, and I'm so excited about what we're going to have. I love numbers and KPIs, which is why this is so frustrating, because this is not even something I dislike. I love reports. I love looking at different charts and coming to different conclusions by using that information. So having those numbers is really key. And related to that is finance, and finance is a form of reporting as well. It's your, your finance numbers, obviously, but it's something that we've been a lot better with and paid a lot more attention to. One of our first 10 hires was an accountant in-house. So we've always had reports and information around there. And you can't neglect that. You, you're just relying on luck, and your luck will run out if you scale, if you're not on top of your finances. And now we have a finance team. So it's so important. Luckily, we got that right, because if we hadn't, we might not even be recording this podcast now. No. And um, when you're earlier in your business, you probably don't need to be so on top of it, or it's so simple. It's just like, I've got one client. Have they paid me? If yes, great. If no, that's bad news. You don't have to have that much of an understanding of it. But then when you get into it and having a good finance team, you can then be looking at the numbers in lots of different ways. So you've got your profit and loss, which you can look at monthly. But then the separate from that, which a lot of people don't realize is completely different, is your cash flow. Your your profit and your cash flow can be entirely different. So different. And if you're just looking at the report your accountant gives you monthly or quarterly, you go, oh, the profit figure looks quite good. Well, that's fine, but you might not have collected the cash. Or you or you might be doing the opposite of that, going, oh, there's loads in the bank. That's fantastic. But you don't realise all the bills that are to come out next month. So having a good understanding of those is so important. And if you've got a really good team, then they can 
present everything to you and explain it to you and tell you the story behind the numbers in a way that allows you to make those decisions. That's really important, the story behind the numbers. Having numbers is one thing, but then being able to ask questions and the person answer with, oh, well, that was because of these reasons. It's so powerful. The The quality of those meetings, they're not long meetings each week, but the cash flow meeting each week is so important. It takes about 20 minutes, 30 minutes of my time, but I feel so much better after every meeting. And you you get a snapshot of what's happening across the business. So it's so powerful. And it's interesting, the the, the profit and the cash flow being different. I always un- accepted it as a concept before being in business. But seeing it in real life is, is, is crazy. It's powerful. Looking at your cash flow going, wow, that's really strong. But you, you haven't been making profit or vice versa. We're making loads of profit. But our cash is tight right now. That's scary. It's crazy. And if people haven't experienced it, they might be struggling to believe it. But because everything moves at different times and different pace. And when you register profit doesn't mean your cash is automatically there as well. So we're not going to get into finance maybe in an episode for the future. But it's so important. You have to get it right. Once you've left startup stage, you need to be getting your finance team or person in very soon. Let's talk about building that team you're going to need a management team at some point. You can't manage everyone. I mean, it's Google where there's a rule that if your team can't be fed by two pizzas, you need to now have a new team and a new manager. And there's some truth to that. You, There's only so many people that can report to you. So you may not like the idea of hierarchy, and hierarchy in its name is obviously very old and, and, and its use, but you do need a management team. So people can get answers, people can get support, people can get guidance, be shown where to be aiming for, what where the vision is, because as founders, you can do that for so long, but then you have to then build out that management team. And then beyond that, the executive team. But we'll come to that in a moment. Let's start with management team. Yeah, the I think... Like you say, because hierarchy kind of like sounds like oh, someone's in charge, someone's got more mm. power than another, and it's just, and it feels a bit old-fashioned that pe- people might think that well, we could do without it. And there are some companies that don't have any kind of hierarchy; it's completely flat. You have some companies where there are no job titles, and it can work. And you, but the companies work that do that are so rare that you've heard about them, and. They always talk about it. It seems like they're spending half their time trying to t- trying to work out who's making a decision about something and what someone's job title should be. And it can work, but you end up undoing, I think, a lot of the benefits that we just talked about from, from process and having clear job descriptions and things like that. You need to have that in place. And the purpose of a manager is something else that I think is misunderstood. Like a, a manager, their job is not to do the work better than anyone else and lead by example it's to facilitate the work of everyone who's reporting into them so that person when you're when you've got a newer business it can feel like oh well i'm worried about my cash or whatever and i'm bringing somebody into the business who isn't producing anything like they're not on the phones making sales or they're not crunching the numbers or whatever they're just what are they doing (laughs) just talking to people but if somebody does that job well then they can increase the output of everyone working under them dramatically compared to if that person wasn't there. They can remove block blockers, they can give coaching, they can identify problems and themes and things like that. So you've it's feels like something that you can resist because you say, well, it's just not very lean having this management layer. But actually if you do it right and you have really strong managers, which is completely different from strong performers at the job, then it's super powerful. It is. But it 
it's like leverage. It can go with you or against you. Mm. If you've got a great manager, then your team can do a great things. But if you've got a weak manager, your team's in trouble. Oh yeah, yeah. We've um, we've seen both of these. Yeah. Like we've got very strong managers in the past. We haven't always. And yeah, the, you're completely right about the reverse leverage. The chaos that a bad manager can produce is incredible. They can do a lot of damage very quickly, especially if you combine it with not having the KPIs and the processes, because then they're free to just kind of cause whatever chaos they want. It's very difficult for you, who are a bit further away from that, to even know it's happening. Yeah, and unfortunately, as we've found, the fires burn br- bright and strong before you do find out because it needs to go that wrong yeah. f- before you even notice because you haven't got that reporting in place. So this is why the, all this comes together. And now we're at 50 people and we're expanding further and we're growing the team. We're starting to build out the executive team because, again, it's the same rules apply, but you need to leverage yourself off even more and you need to niche down even more and work on the things that you do the very best. And then the things that you're even just quite good at. I'm in the process now uh, this year, handing off stuff that I'm actually all right at, but bringing in people who are better than me. And at first it's a bit like, oh, that's quite scary, but it's the right thing to do and it's the thing you must do if you want to carry on scaling. That's almost like the end point of the scale-up phase maybe if you get to that point where you've taken virtually all your responsibilities except the one thing that you're best at and you've distributed them out and other people are taking care of those things and it can be it can be different for different people depending on your strengths but often it's the ceo the ceo is left with being the face of the business or the the external the external facing part in some kind of way and the person who provides the vision and it might seem to other people in the business who are working very hard like you're not doing much because like, what you're going around talking about the business and you often see like the CEOs of really big companies that seem to spend all the time going around giving speeches. But maybe that's productive for them. Maybe it's an ego trip, but maybe it's because, well, that's how they get more business or that's how they build their brand to attract talent into the business. All these things, it just seems like it's like the almost optional bit but actually if that's the thing that you're best at that's what you should be doing it's also possible that if you are the were the founder of the business you get to the point where that's not the right role for you so you might end up by the time you've completed the sale up phase not being the ceo of your own business which sounds really weird it does sound weird but i think you have different ceos for different parts of the journey and i accept that at some point long point into the future i might not be the right ceo it doesn't mean that there isn't a role there could be another role but i'm good at certain things and i'll take it to so far and then move on you can find your journey ending a lot sooner though if you don't develop and you don't coach so the person who started the business was not capable of doing what I do today. And the business that will become who I am today will probably not be right. And it's the same for you. You've had to level up your skills and level up, you know, you were really good at some core things, but you've you've added balance to it and you've added like working with the team more and all the things and coaching and bringing people on. Stuff that may have not been your first choice, but you've really worked on and, you know, you can see that. We're, we're not now perfect. <laughs> far, far from perfect. But we've developed yeah and you have to develop your team and we talked about that a little bit through the coaching and the management and the executive team then coaching the management team and so on but the possibly the most important person to develop is yourself Mm. it's a it's a real journey like going from having a business where it's just you 
to having a business of even 10, 20 people. It's different. It's completely different. And you have to go on that, go through that journey. And if you end up getting to a point where it's 500 people or more, then it's completely different again. And like we just said, you may not be able to have the same role at every different stage in that. You, you don't have to. There's no reason why you need to. But whatever you do, you are going to need to develop constantly because you as that founder are going to be going on more of a journey than anyone else. You'll hopefully have employees who come in doing something fairly junior and they develop and they get promoted and they end up being with the company for a long time and doing great things. But even that journey that they're going on is nothing compared to what you're doing as the founder. So having the the willingness to to evolve and learn and make mistakes and learning learn from them which we talked about plenty and get coaching from people who actually know how to do the job that you're going into is so important because however good everything else is that we've talked about and it is really important if you aren't doing what you should be doing it's still the business probably still isn't going to perform as it should no and this is being very much in control of your ego you can't get rid of your ego. Everyone has one, but being in control of it and always realizing that you are never perfect, never finished, can always be improved. Even if you've improved, you can always improve again. You have to recognize that. I think there's probably businesses that have failed where founders or the founder has started to believe in their own hype. They've had some success and then start to think everything they say is right and correct. They're going to be in trouble fast. You have to question yourself all the time. Maybe not publicly, but go away and reflect on your decisions, the, the things that you've said. I mean, you've seen it with me before where I've I've reversed. I've changed the decision whether very quickly or a bit later on. No, actually, I'm wrong. And you've got to be comfortable saying I'm wrong or I might not have the best idea here. And even if you're an ideas person, but you have to have that. You have to develop that skill, that control of the ego to go, you know what? Having bright people around me and people brighter than me around me is the best thing. If your aim is to be one of the brightest people in the company, then you're going to have a rubbish company. You need to be bright enough to know that you need people around you who are cleverer than you are. Yeah. And if you, when you get to the point of having this executive team who you've probably gone to great pains to hire and you're paying them a lot of money, if you just override them on their ex area of expertise, what's the point? What's yeah. the point of having them at all? Yeah. Expensive subordinates. What's the point in that? Yeah. Like, we're not that type of culture. We're not that type of business where everyone's getting told what to do. It's not who we are. It's not the culture of the business. There are businesses that that does happen. And I, I think it's a missed opportunity. I think we talked about before, but if you've got an average team, you've got an average business. You want a great team of great people, great people who have opinions, who have ideas, who want to move things forward themselves. That's what you want. You want people to challenge your vision, your ideas, not in a negative way, but in a, well, can't we do this better? Or have you considered this? If you can get to that place, then really beautiful things start to happen. So today we've talked about the scale-up journey. And it's a journey that can be really quick. It can be, you get companies that go out and raise venture capital and they go out and hire 100 people or more within six months. And it's a really, really rapid journey. In our case, it's taken longer, but that's fine. It doesn't matter how long it takes. That's still a journey that if you want to have a big, significant business, you have to go on at some point. It'll, it'll take some amount of time. Next time, we're going to talk more about the the day-to-day -day of running a business because going on this journey over time is great, but every every journey of whatever length of time is all made up of individual days. 
So what is each individual day like? How do you run your business on a day-to-day level? And what is it like as a founder? That's what we're going to talk about next time. So join us then on Any Other Business. Thank you.